Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Children, you are dismissed to head back to Children's Chapel. If you have any children uh, from K through 6th grade, they are welcome to head back. Miss Leslie's teaching today. And uh, I think they're going to be doing a Christmas program this year, which is exciting. So isn't that going to be awesome? Come Christmas Eve morning, what better place to be than in the house of the Lord? Amen. God's supernatural provision is what I want to look at today. So if you will, please take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. I will be highlighting verses 1 through 15 today. There's a lot that goes on in Elijah's life, but uh, I want to look at the life of Elijah to discover the supernatural. And I don't want you to miss the point because I want you to get it this morning. And today we're going to be introduced to him and learn about a lesson about God's supernatural provision. The context in which Elijah appears on the scene, he appears here in 1 Kings chapter 17. And we're told in verse 1 that, and, and we'll read together, and Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, I always love when I see it in Scripture where it says, The word of the Lord. Isn't that so personal? Now just stop for just a minute. And think about the word of the Lord. You are reading the word of the Lord. We talk about it being God's word. We talk about it being the holy scriptures. We talk about it being the living word. But it says here, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, came to him saying. So I just want to start to allow you to kind of go into this uh, little journey of Narnia. I think I'm just not Narnia, but you know, as the Bible's open, and I always say that it's a, it opens up and the, the pages of the Bible come to life and you're able to see it in its context. And if you turn it, you'll see the story unfold. But I love that we all can be encouraged through the word of the Lord. In verse 3, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. There it is again. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. Then ravens brought him bread and meat into the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. I cannot wait to get into this this morning, because in the morning and in the evening, right? What's that old song? Supper in the morning, dinner in the evening, supper in the time. Won't you be my honey? Oh, I, I don't know. That song just came in my mind. Sometimes I'm just transparent, and I have to tell you guys what I'm thinking. So I just thought, my wife says we don't mind. And the rest of them are going, where is he? Oh, poor pastor this morning. He's going somewhere. And uh, but anyhow, verse 6 then says this. that The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because... There had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose, and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup. 
that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Now into verse 12. So she said, the Lord your God lives. I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that he may eat and die. What a pondering thought. Here is a mother who loves her son so much, but she's gathering sticks that he may go in and do what? She's going to feed it to him that he'll eat it and yet die. Because I'm going to get into today's text as we're looking at God's encounter here with the widow, with Elijah, and what God starts to do in the midst of such adversity. But wouldn't that be just a pondering thought for many of us to think that we're going out there because of the circumstances? And it, and it just brought to light, and I really wasn't going to say this this morning, but my heart has just been breaking. And, and my daughter, Lindsay, says, Dad, have you watched some of the TikToks? I said, I don't have TikTok. But if I did, I don't know that I would watch some of those videos where they're, they're grabbing these children and they're slaying them. And my heart is just heavy and it's just breaking because I'm thinking to myself, you know, in the midst of such difficult times, what would you do? You know, I was, I was praying and I was down on my knees and I, I thought to myself, how many of these parents are laying over their children and how they're running to bring them to a place of safety. And may we not forget just how loving our God is. And I know in America, sometimes I feel a little bit uh, saddened because I think we've removed so much of God in so many places. But let's not remove him from our hearts and our lives. You know, and we as, as God's people and his children, we need to go uh, on behalf of Israel, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, and pray that God would continue to show his love in, in, the, in the midst of adversity because it's so hard for me to even stop and reflect and think about it. So my heart just truly breaks for them. And then I see... Uh, which is a Gentile lady uh, who is going out and gathering sticks because of a time that's just really, really hard. And yet, I'm going to feed him to her son. Why? To keep, her, keep him away. And, and then you start to see some things unfold there in chapter 17, which we won't get into today unless the Lord wills. But, um, you know, I just think, it, I think it's so sad. But watch what Elijah starts to say to her in verse 13. So he said to her, do not... Fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she said, and he and her household ate for many, many, many days. She said, wait, I don't have any flour. I don't have any oil. Wait a minute. But the scriptures say that she ate for many, many days because of God's supernatural provision. God wants to take care of us. He wants to heal us. He wants to show you that he is present in your life. You have to go to him. You have to call upon him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for, for this text this morning. 
Father, I ask that you'll just speak to our hearts this morning. Help me to communicate this in a way that we'll all be able to walk away feeling uh, that even in our own life where we feel there's a lack, that you'll fill it up, Lord, that we don't have to uh, trust in the physical resources, yet we need to trust in the supernatural resources that you provide for us. So, Father, hide me behind the cross and in your shadows. Help me to speak the word with clarity. Help it not to come back void, but Father, let us just learn from your word this morning. In your holy name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. So we see here a little bit about Elijah, because it's said in verse 1, Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was at of the settlers of Gilead, Tishbe, or if you were from there, you'd be called a Tishbite, was the place where Elijah was from. Now, we don't know much about Elijah at this point. He's just kind of breaks in on the scene and he comes like out of nowhere. And his name actually means Yahweh is my God. Wouldn't it be cool to have such a, a great meaning behind your name? Yahweh is my God. That tells us a little bit about his mother and father who named him. They were obviously people of faith that they would name him that way. Prophets, as Elijah was, showed up because there was a spiritual issue among God's people that needed to be addressed. Prophets were there to bring God's message in the midst, typically, of spiritual decline. While the scenario that brings Elijah back on the scene or on the scene is summarized for us in chapter 16 verses 32 and 33 then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple which he had built in Samaria and Ahab made a wooden image Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him so the context that brings Elijah on the scene here is what idolatry Ahab the king has begun worshiping Baal, and he brings the rest of Israel to worship Baal with him. He not only worshiped Baal, he worship, worships Baal's girlfriend, Asherah. Because Baal and Asherah, kind of like boyfriend and girlfriend, work together to bring fertility to Israel. I'm going to give you a little history and some context there. But they look to this idol to bring fertility to Israel, and it says that idolatry ticked God off. It said it provoked him, irritated him, it upset him that they looked to these unauthorized things to meet their needs. So he calls on Elijah and he tells Elijah, I want you to go and speak to the king and to the nation. Interesting, is it? Do you see the correlation here? So now Elijah, the Tishbite, he shows up here in, in 1 Kings 17, verse 1. And it says here that of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. God attacks Israel at the place of their idolatry because they were looking for Baal and Asherah to bring about fertility even in the land. God says, I'm going to attack your idol and I'm going to attack your looking at them to take care of you because when I shut heaven down, I don't care how much that you pay to Baal 
and Asherah, they're not going to be able to grow your crops or even give you food. You see, in an agricultural environment, if there's no rain, there's no what? There's no growth. You hear what I'm saying? There's no growth. There's no food. There's no food. You're going to be hungry, so you best be looking at the right source. You see where I'm leading this morning? So to let you know who the real God is and who the God is that you should be worshiping, I'm going to no longer provide because rain and dew made the provisions in an agricultural environment. Now the word of the Lord comes to Elijah in verse 2, and here's what he starts to say. He says this, go away. First of all, I will take of you naturally. First of all, I'm going to use the natural provision of a brook, but I'm going to provide for you another way supernaturally. He says, go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself at the brook of Cherith, which is in the east of Jordan, and it shall be that you will drink of the brook, and I've commanded the ravens to provide for you there, and there's our word, provide. So if you're writing it down, you can go ahead and either circle it, write it down, or or however you want to take notes. So Elijah goes over here, and I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to take care of you in two ways. I'm going to, first of all, take care of you naturally because there's going to be, at Cherith, a brook of water that's going to stream down, and you're going to go down, and you're going to grab a cup of that water, and you're going to put that water in your mouth, and you're going to drink fresh water in a dry season from a private source that only you know about because I'm only sending you there as I break you away from the crowd. Can you imagine being in in the midst of a drought and somebody saying, okay, I need you to go down here and there's going to be a brook that's going to have tons of water. There's true faith. And so he says, I'm going to use the natural provision of a brook, but I'm going to provide for you another way. And the other way that he's going to provide is supernaturally. Because I'm going to call on the Raven Catering Service. And the ravens are going to bring some food to you to supply you food morning and evening. They're going to give you bread, and they're going to give you meat. That's called a sub-sandwich. There's going to give, did you hear what I said? They're going to give you bread and meat morning and evening. Now, first of all, you have to understand that this just isn't normal. This is not normal. A brook that you can drink from that's normal, but having birds fly in with a sandwich twice a day, having waiters fly in on schedule every day in a drop that ain't normal, But you see, it's worse than that. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 11, it says this to 14. He says, all clean birds you may eat, but these you shall not eat. The eagle, the vulture, the buzzard, the red kite, the falcon, and the kite after their kinds. Every raven after its kind. He says this, they're unclean. Ravens are unclean. You may not eat them. You don't mess with them because why? They're unclean. So you're saying, but pastor, what, what does that tell us about God's provision? I'm about to tell you that God can use hell to bring heaven to you. Listen, you never want to box God in because while God... God does not sin, and God does not tell you to sin. He often uses sin and uses sinful people to provide for his people. 
all throughout the Bible. Now, listen to me. All throughout the Bible, God will use a Pharaoh to get his people the way he wants them to be. God used Satan. What did he do? To tempt Judas. To get Jesus to the cross so he could die for our sins. Watch this. All through the Bible, you will find God not sinning, telling you not to sin, yet using evil to fulfill his purposes so God can use an evil employer to put you in the place he wants you to be. Some of you, you're like, what are you talking about? I know sometimes it's difficult for many of us. But I know that we have to put all of our faith and trust in God. He says, I want you to go to the brook because I got some birds. Yet I've got your back. Because that means the sky's the limit, the world's the limit. Now, who could have predicted? How could Elijah think that God was going to meet his need in this weird way? But he was only going to do it at Cherith. Which means if you're out of the will of God, you miss the ravens. He had to go to Cherith first because that's where the catering service was located. Don't miss God's will because you're out of God's will because he has separated you in a place you don't want to be and rather not be. It's isolated. That's not what I'm saying. If he's got you in that isolated place, that's because that's where his provision is going to be located. For your current situation. That's hard. To come to grips with. Now what this means. In order to have a supernatural raven feeding you. And to have birds listening to God to feed you. That means that God must be your. What? Your only source. Your job is not your source. Your bank is not your source. Your employer is not your source. God is your only source. Everything else is a resource, a mechanism that God uses, and you must free him up to use whatever resource he wants to use, even if it comes from something you wouldn't normally understand it coming from. So there he is. He's at Cherith, eating two meals a day, drinking some fresh water. I mean, he's doing okay, actually, in a bad situation. But now we come to verse 7. And in verse 7 it says this. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Things went dry on him. Right? See, just because God is providing today doesn't mean you can't lose your job tomorrow. Sometimes things do dry up. Economics dry up. In income dries up. The Dow goes down. I mean, he said things went dry on him. But watch this and wait just a minute. Why did they go dry? Because it wasn't raining. I tried to make it easy for you. Because it wasn't raining. But why was it raining? Because he told Ahab that, that's, that it's not going to rain for three and a half years. And so the only reason that it's not raining is because he had a word from God. But now what's happening in society is affecting him because the brook dried up. Because there's no rain and there's no rain because there was judgment that was on the land. And he's the one who pronounced the judgment. So now, 
he becomes a recipient of the very judgment that everybody else is experiencing. So follow this. When he first gave it, God provided supernaturally. Did you see that? But now, economy is affecting him. The circumstances in the land are affecting him. The downturn is affecting him and things dry up. So don't have anybody tell you that serving the Lord and things don't go get dry. Serve the Lord and you don't lose your job. Serve the Lord and your bank account doesn't get drained. Serve the Lord and things don't break down and dip into the savings that you didn't plan to use for that. Don't let anybody tell you that if you're in God's will, he was in God's will, that things don't still dry up. Because in verse 8 it says this, Then the word of the Lord came to him. And when the word of the Lord came to him, when things dried up, watch, the word of the Lord came to him and told him where to go for the catering service, the raven catering service. So he's, you know, eating sandwiches every day, twice a day, he's drinking water. All of a sudden, what's happening in society is now starting to affect him personally. But now the word of the Lord comes to him again. So let me explain something here. When God allows things to dry up in your life, it's because he's moving you to a different provider. When God allows things to dry up in your life, it is because he has a different plan for your life. And because your job is not your source, your boss is not your source, when they let you go, you go back to your source and you let your source tell you where to go next because he's taking you to a different place because he's let the area that you were in dry up. So he's allowed it to dry up. And even though it's in a context of everybody dry up because he's in another place to provide. A thought just came to my mind. I I remember when I was, uh, before we started our company years ago, I was working for a company up in Boston Heights. And they had come to me and they said, uh, you know, we have a question for you. And I said, well, what is that? And they said, well, you know, the company's got, it's dried up. Company caught on fire. The bank was in. They filed bankruptcy. But what we would like to do for you is we would like you to move from here and move to Bolivar, Tennessee. And we were young. And, you know, in some respects, it really, really looked welcoming for us. Because we thought at one point, we're like, okay, this is cool. All right, we're young. We can go to Bolivar, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis, you know, visit Graceland. And, you know, weird things go through your mind when you're young. But I said to Beck, I said, you know, they're going to put us up in this country club. Well, if you've ever been to Bolivar, Tennessee, you know, the country club kind of looks kind of like a little Cape Cod house. You're all thinking, oh, wow, he's moving to the country club. It's gated and all kind. What are you dreaming? I'm trying to give you a great visual. Well, maybe about that big of the house. And we knew that we were going to have 22 children. No, we didn't, really. We only had one at the time, okay? And uh, 
So I said, I said to Beck, I said, listen, I don't know what's going on here, but before long, I'm going to be unemployed and out of a job. It's all dried up here. And so my first thought was, what are we going to do? I mean, have you been in that position before? Have you been in that place? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? We're going to be broke. They're not going to keep me around. I'm like the last guy in the totem pole because I was the HR manager, and the HR manager fires everybody, then they fire you. That's how it works. So I knew as those numbers kept shrinking that I was going to shrink along with it and get the big boot, and out the door we go. Well, you know, I went to the Lord in prayer, and this, this was many moons ago, and, uh, but I went to the Lord, and it's as relevant today as it's, as it's ever been. So as I went to the Lord, I said, you know, Lord, I need to talk to you about something. We have a little bit of a, a drought going on here, and I felt like I'm in the center of your will, and we'd already started the cleaning company, so on and so forth. But I thought, you know, do you want me to go to Bolivar, Tennessee? And I said, He's, and I can still remember it as clear as if it, were, if it was me praying right now. So Becky and I talked over this number, and uh, we weren't even asking for much, you know, in, in our life. But I'm like, I can't move down there and live in that big, huge house in the country club. And, uh, and I thought, okay, this is going to be a great opportunity for us. I could run the company down there. It will be a great opportunity. But, you know, but for whatever reason, I was really struggling within my spirit. And I said, okay, I'm going to put out a fleece. And if God, if God answers, then we're going to go. So um bobby which was the chauffeur he came and picked us up isn't it funny L listen to this the company's going under but we still have a chauffeur that picks us up in the mercedes to go to the hudson country club i'm a little confused were you does that sound a little weird to you we're going to close down the company up here but we're going to get the chauffeur to pick you up because i hadn't you know we haven't retired him and laid him off yet because you know the owners still needed to be picked up in her fancy carriage so I get picked up in the fancy carriage, and as we're heading over to the Hudson Country Club, she says to me, well, Todd, what did you decide in regard to the move? And I looked at her, and I said, Linda, you know, I've been praying about it, and, you know, I'm just trying to see if God's going to reveal, you know, his will in our life. Now, you heard what I said. Sometimes God will cause something to happen in your life to bring his supernatural provision in your life. Well, we had been praying about a big whopping $8,000 a year. That's all. I'm like, okay, if we can move down there, it'll be $8,000. Now watch what God did. So we're sitting there, and I'm in the back. She's here, and she looks at me and turns and says, oh, I just wanted to tell you, there is no way that I could even think about giving you $8,000 more a year in the condition of our of our company up here. This was me. What? I never told you what I wanted. I never said a word to you. For some of you that were sleeping during this part of the message, I'm going to repeat it. You know, because of our company situation up here, I can't give you that $8,000 raise. So I said to her, well, I have something to tell you. And she says, and what is that? I go, I'm not going to Bolivar, Tennessee. She said, and why? I said, because I've been praying specifically for $8,000. How'd you come up with that number? She goes, I just thought, you think I can give you a raise? So I just thought I'd say $8,000. Was that God's supernatural provision showing his will? I wouldn't be your pastor here today. 
or I would be your pastor, but it would have been a long trip for me down through the, the valley to grandmother's house I go, and the big bad wolf probably would have sucked us up and ate us up or tried to do whatever he does, right? But reality is, this is how God shows himself to us. He will change where we're at in our dry season. And he'll start to speak to us through other people. So Elijah started to see that the word of the Lord came to him. So don't get all shook up when it's all dried up. All God is doing is moving you up to another location. But you've got to be close enough to him to hear the word. So he said the word again to Elijah, go to Zarephath. He said in verse 9, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Okay, I have problems with the first of all, Zarephath is at the Bell Belt. You know, in, in the south they call that, you know, uh, the Bible Belt. Well, this is the Baal Belt. That was the center of Baal worship is Zarephath and in Sidon. So, so let me explain this to you. Let me explain something. God will often test your faith by sending you places you don't prefer to go. Why? Because sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 10 through 12, here's what he says. So he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little of oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. So how's a widow who's down to her last meal, as you're going to see more, help us? How's it going to help me? She can't help herself, but God said, I commanded the widow, and she's going to be your new provider. But he was close enough to God to hear his voice. Listen, so he arose because Elijah's a man of faith. So he's not going to just listen to God to say amen. He got up, he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the woman was there gathering sticks. And he called out to her and says, please get me a little bit more water in a jar that I may drink. And she was going to get it. And he called and said, please bring me just a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread. Only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I might go in and prepare for me and my son that we might eat and die. Pastor, you already said that. Keep repeating yourself. Well, wait a minute. Listen. I'm probably as confused as you are. Didn't we just read God had commanded the woman? In fact, Elijah says to her in verse 13, do not fear. So she's scared. I don't, I don't see the command because she's scared to death because she's down to the last meal. Here's the man asking for some stuff from her. He says, make me, in verse 13, a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterwards, you may make one for yourself and one for your son. And he says, 
For thus the Lord God of Israel says, The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor the jar of the oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. He gives her a promise from God. All this woman has is a promise and a final meal. The question is whether she's going to believe the prophet, but not because he's a preacher, but because he's saying, thus says the Lord. Wow. That's, that's impressive. That's amazing. Because let me explain this right here, and then we'll wind things down. What was he challenging her to do? He was challenging her to put God first. He was challenging her in her faith. Because all she heard and all she had was a promise from a preacher. But his job was to get her to act in faith for her because she was going to be the beneficiary of her faith. He was going to be as well, but because she was going to make a bread cake for him. Yet he says, my job, my primary job of our leadership is to provoke your faith. Because, listen, until you move in faith, you will not see the supernatural open up. This woman had every reason not to believe. Because the money was too funny. I sometimes put stuff in here, and you know, none of you guys laugh. You're like, what did he mean by that? Hmm. I'll just keep going then. She had every reason to not believe because she's down to her last meal. But because the word of God through the prophet of God was delivered to her, she now has the choice. Do I settle for my last meal or do I believe the word of God? And the answer to the question is this. Do you want the supernatural or do you want to live on what you can see and the flower you have in your hand? So what does the lady do? Here's what she does in verse 15. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many, many days. So she went and did according to what Elijah said, which was the word of the Lord. And what happened? It says, and she and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Or to put it in the words of Scripture in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, one of my favorite verses of all times. Here's what he says. Given it will be given to you. Good measure. What's it say next? Then shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you give and the thing you give will be given back to you pressed down overflowing because it says and then it will return back to you do you believe that this morning amen the secret to your provision is to be a provider for somebody who needs what you need so that god can use what they need that's what you need to bless them and return it back to you He wants to return it back to you. In other words, you must be a miracle dispenser if you want to be a miracle receiver. You must be the miracle that you want to receive for yourself. And if you're unwilling to do that, if it's only about you coming to be blessed, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, the generous soul 
will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. He says in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1, that you must cast your bread before you see it come back. So the question is, do all of you need what God has to offer? Do all of you need what God has to offer? That's the question. And this is not just about money. It can be relationships. It can be a helping hand. It can be God pricking you to reach out to somebody who's sad because you need encouragement. So you decide, well, you know, I I need encouragement, so let me find somebody who needs that encouragement. God led me to somebody who needs encouragement. So when I encourage them, you'll bring somebody to encourage me and you'll work this thing around. And so God always leads. So I say this as I close. This message is not just about tithes and offerings. Listen to me. It's about God being able to work through you to benefit someone else, to benefit somebody else. So he can come back to you and give you the miracle you've been looking for. It's the supernatural circle of provision. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's the supernatural circle of of provision it is the supernatural circle of god moving when people move in concert with him he invoked her faith if i can ever get you and me and us to move in faith not talk in faith but to move in faith and heaven opens up and god blows your mind to somebody who makes less than you can feed you and almost retire at the same time you never know how God's going to come at you. You never know where he's going to come from, but you'll never see it. If he sees idolatry, you'll see a famine in the land. So here's the question this morning. So the question on the floor is this. Who's your source? Who is your source? You should feel free right now. You should feel free because, see, once you establish that God is your source, nobody now owns you. You're no longer captive to anyone or anything. You're thinking, oh, but pastor, you're preaching Old Testament. That's Old Testament. That's in the Old Testament. And I believe that it works today. So let me close by quoting you in Luke chapter 4, verse 24. When Jesus is rejected in his own hometown, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. No prophet is welcome in his own hometown. Talking about himself, but I say to you the truth. There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the skies were shut up. Listen, not for just 30 days, three days, five days, but it says in the scriptures that it was shut up for three years and six months. When a great famine came over all the land, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow, a wonderful woman, a lady. A widow 
that made it from the Old Testament. Do you hear what I'm saying? From the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament with a new prophet. And let me introduce you to him. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And Jesus says here, let me reach back to the old prophet. He said, there were a whole lot of widows in Israel, but God sent to the only one, and the one he sent it to didn't even go to the church. Didn't even go to church. She was the widow of Zarephath. She was a Gentile, but because she was willing to act in faith, she was the only one who got the miracle. She was the only one who experienced God's supernatural provision. Even though there were a lot of widows, they all could have gotten the miracle. But they were living as though idols, with idols. But because one foreign woman was willing to believe the prophet, the Bible says that a greater than Elijah is here. He says, I am the prophet. So here's the question this morning. The question on the floor is, are you going to be the unique person that God supernaturally provides for? Are you going to be that person that God supernaturally provides for? Does he have somebody over there? Maybe over there. Maybe up there at, an, at another church. Or maybe he has somebody over there. For some of us, we all just go home. Say he's not speaking to me today. How many widows who are willing to trust him does he actually have in the crowd today? How many of you believe that God wants to use you in the midst of a famine, in the midst of a time where maybe you feel, listen, I'm at the end of myself. And all Jesus said is, one good one will do. One good one will do. So here's where I make it applicable and we close out the service. For many of us, we really trust in our own resources. For many of you, you haven't struggled financially. You haven't had to worry about where your next dollar comes from. But what I thought was interesting is here was this widow lady who had nothing, was starving. It was better for her to bring death to them than to starve in a time where this famine brought drought. Maybe you're in a drought right now. And many of you might be feeling a sense of, man, how are we going to do this? I can't make it in my life. I can't make it in my relationship. I can't make it through work. I can't. This is too difficult. I want you to know that what things happen in the natural, God will bring to life in the supernatural. That provision is here for you if you'll just accept it. So you say, but pastor, how does that look? Here's how it looks. Here's, here's what happens. Our life sometimes might look like a scope or whatever they call those little things when we were little kids and you looked at them and it has all these little things and they fall over the place, but then when you turn it, you look in the light, it turns out something beautiful. Kaleidoscope, kaleidoscope, skeleidoscope, whatever it's called. A kaleidoscope. Our life sometimes is just like that. But here's what I want you to do today. 
your life sometimes looks like the pieces that are falling in that kaleidoscope. I want you to turn it to the light. For Jesus is the light. And I want you to turn your focus, I want you to turn your face towards him and say, you know, God, I've been trying to do things in the natural. I've been trying to restore my marriage. I've been trying to restore my relationship. I've been trying to restore my job and the relationships that are there. I've been trying to do things in the natural. But God, I need to see you in the supernatural. I want to experience you in the supernatural so that I can feel you working. And then God will give you a story and a testimony that will change other people's lives. So that way when you give and it will be given unto you with good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, people will start to say, man, did they have Jesus in their life? Man, are they on fire for the Lord? Because where your face is turned is where your focus goes. Where is your focus this morning? Where is your face turned? Much like the widow, she could have said, all I have is just a little oil and a little flour. And God said to Elijah, oh, you tell her, don't you worry. Don't you worry. Because I'm going to make sure for the next three years that I'm going to fill you to overflowing. That's what God wants to do to you. He says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he says, he will lift you up and he will set you high and he will provide for you. And I am here to tell you that I'm thankful that when that woman looked to me in the back of that Mercedes Benz, I looked at her and said, no, I'm not moving to Bolivar, Tennessee because you just answered my prayer. Because what just happened was in the natural, but I experienced it in the supernatural. And I realized that it was in the supernatural. And I saw God just through that story. And church, listen. That might have been 20 years ago, but even though, well, it was probably 25 years ago, but I'm seeing God work today in our life. You just have to go to him. I don't care if you're a kid in here, a teenager, you just need to go to him and seek his face, not his hands, not what you can get in the natural, but what you can see in the supernatural and start to realize who God is. Will you call upon the name of the Lord? Will you seek his, will you, will you just say, Lord, here I am, use me. I surrender all, all to him I freely give. Let's rise to our feet as we close this morning in prayer. Father God, we love you and we thank you that, Lord, here we are. We receive what you've given to us. And we're thankful that, Lord, in our lives, we've come here today because we need you and we need your help. We need to see you supernaturally. So, Father, right now, I'm, I'm actually going to declare this over our church. That, Father, that they will experience a supernatural experience that comes from you. Not from any other source. Not from Baal. Not from a false god. It's funny that they went to Jezreel, a place where Jezebel, the wicked queen, lived. But yet you put us in circumstances that squeeze us and make us rely more and more on you. So, Father, as we get to the end of ourselves, help us to get to the beginning of God. Help us to get to the beginning of you. Lord, we're so proud. God, our circumstances that we're in and the positions that we're in, Father, sometimes cause us to, to feel like, where is God in the midst of my quiet, lonely, abandoned life? Oh, God, thank you that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And Lord, as we have this time of reflection, if there's some in the room that maybe they've been a little empty in their life. Maybe they have felt a little abandoned. Maybe they feel unloved and, and they just need you, Father. I pray that, Lord, we realize that what we see in the natural isn't what happens in the supernatural. Because God, 
Your Holy Spirit can change things and you can change things in the snap of a finger. With just one wisp of your breath, you can change the course of our life. Oh God, I pray that you'll lift those up in this room. Maybe someone's dealing with some addiction that they really need to get on their knees and and confess and say, God, here it is. I give it to you. I resign. I let go. And Lord, I'm letting you take control of my life. God, through these messages of your encounter with humanity, God, I've learned a great, great principle through it all. And even in my own life, that I have a tendency to trust, trust myself. And Lord, you told the great Proverbs and, and you said that we need to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And to not lean into our own understandings, but in everything that we do, that we acknowledge everything that you'll guide us, you'll direct our steps, you'll guide our foot, footsteps and our paths. Father, you'll make every path straight in our life. So, Father, for many of us in these winding, curving roads that we're on, we ask that we can walk away saying, you know what? If you can use that widow, Lord, I want you to use me. God, today, speak to our hearts. Change us. Reshape us. Mold us to be more like you and less like us. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. And we ask that a, a blessing would be upon this word this morning. And for each person that's in this room, Father, bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.